is resistance to the enemy. I don't know if you know that though. I don't know if anybody, like you were never taught in Sunday school. But I'm teaching you now that resistance is self-discipline. If you discipline uh, yourself, if you have a disciplined life, the enemy cannot, it's very tough for him to come against you. Because he knows everywhere I go, I'm just being resistant. There's discipline here. Too much. There are no holes or in the wall. There's nothing there. And Proverbs uh, 25 says, Like a city whose walls are broken is a man who lacks self-control. Like a city whose walls are broken down is a man who lacks self-control. So if we don't have self-controls, we're communicating to the devil that my walls are broken, my doors are open, come. Self-controls, self-control articulates something in the spiritual realm. The discipline that we, we, we impose on ourselves saves us. It is not to make us self-righteous. It is not supposed to make us uh, holier than thou. But it helps or it empowers us in, 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 in maintaining the walls that God has built around us. The truth is that God has built walls around us. Do you know that? There are walls of protection. The Bible says even um, uh, uh, David used to say, Lord, the Lord is my strong tower. The Lord is my citadel. The Lord is my fortress. And when you read up those words, they actually do mean that they like, you know, a stronghold is a wall that was so high, no enemy could enter it. So the Lord becomes our strong tower. The Lord is our covering. Then there are angels of the Lord who encamps those who fear the Lord. Then there are your parents who are your covering. That's why it's important to respect your parents because they are your covering. In a family, if an enemy comes and attacks you, your family will back you up. I, I remember like in high school, people used to go, <laughs> go like fighting, you know. If they're alone, they have their mouth is quiet. But if their cousins and their brothers come, hey, big mouth, you know. It's because you know you got a, a gang behind you. All right? You are protected when you are in a family. That's why it's very hard for orphans to, to you know, even go further in life. Because they are not protected, they are very vulnerable. Alright? And do not mistreat orphans. The Lord will deal with you. And then, we have, uh, for those that are married, your husbands are your covering. Alright? Your husbands are your covering. For those of you who are single, your father is your covering. That's why the father walks the bride down the aisle. To say, this is my daughter, I'm giving over my authority and my responsibility. When I got married, my dad was so happy. In fact, he even said, <laughs> he even told my husband, here yeah, now, she's out of my pocket. I'm like, <laughs> give me your money, father. <laughs> because he, he, the Lord knows that we are vulnerable. Safety is so important for, for, the, for, for humanity. That's why we're police workers. We are under threat. The species of humanity is under threat. All right? And then when you come to church, you have the church as your covering. It's important to be part of a spiritual family. They cover you. You can't just be a loose cannon. I don't know. I'm just here. And then what season? I'm just here under nobody's supervision or covering. And covering is not to control you. It's to protect you. 
You know, people, I hate covering. My must I be covered now. The Lord is my covering. That's, that's the reason. It is first God, then the church, and then you. There are ranks and authority in heaven, and the devil knows that. Uncovered people are exposed. And the devil is a good target. He likes I, that one, my juicy meats. He likes uncovered people. So we must recognize the authorities that God has placed in our lives. That is just uh, something that I thought to just uh, add on. So in order for us to, to, to recognize, first of all, what the walls God has given us, I think it's important for us to go to uh, the story of David. Uh, the, the walls that God has given, I know I mentioned it, you know, the, the walls of protection that God gives, the walls of uh, family, accountable relationships, and, uh, and also spiritual family. But I want to just uh, touch on a few of those that God has placed in our lives and how we can enforce those, uh, those walls and uh, maintain, that the, maintain them and, and also make sure that the devil doesn't get through to us. Many of us, we cry, you know, to the Lord and say, Lord, protect me. The Lord has already protected you. The blood of Jesus covers you. All right? The angels of the Lord covers you. God himself covers you. But many times, we are the ones who uncover ourselves. And we open the doors to the devil. In Genesis 4, God is talking to, to, to Cain just before he murders his brother. It was a serious conversation. God is telling him, sin desires to have you. Sin is crouching at your door and it desires to have you. And then this whole conversation goes on. But God is basically saying that sin will always be there. Sin desires to master us. It's like a force that cannot be stopped. Because it must accomplish what it has been set out to accomplish. It must devour, it must kill, it, it must. But if you are found willing, it will want you. It will take you over. And we must know this, that we have the power of Christ, that we who were crucified with Christ and made alive with Christ are no longer under the, the power of sin. It's as if this is what Jesus actually did. He came, he told sin, you have no power over this person. Stay away. Sin is like, okay, I will. But if you decide, sin, hello, can I open the door? I'm, can you come in? Sin is like, okay, I don't mind. So the authority that Jesus uh, uh, received back from the devil, the Bible says that he triumphed over death. And he triumphed over the, the demonic spirits. When he died on the cross, he made a public spectacle of the devil. And he said, you don't have power. And those who belong to me, you don't touch. And that's the promise that God has for us. But what makes the devil touch us is ourselves. We say, devil, I'm, I'm available tonight. <laughs> Let's make a date. Come. Let us commune. Let us engage with each other. I'm going to open the door. You are free to come, in, to come in to kill, steal, and destroy my life. The devil's power over you is as much as you give him. He doesn't have power over you like it's a lie. Like, he always say, you know, I'm powerful in this world because I'm the prince that has been released in the world. He doesn't have power over the children of God. The only power he has is the one we legally give him. 
So if you do that, the devil is very happy because he likes to do what he does. To kill, steal, and destroy. So now we're going to look at the life of David in 2 Samuel 11. And we're going to look at a man who loved the Lord, obeyed the Lord, who worshipped God. I mean, he was, he was so on fire for the Lord. David was anointed when he was very young. From a very young age, he, he knew the Lord and he saw the power of the Lord. He slayed giants. I mean, he was killing animals with his bare hand. I don't know, like, I, I can't even kick a dog. But David was able to, to devour animals. And the more God was with him, the more God in victories. And the more he rose to fame. And David was known as a man after God's heart. That was his... his people knew that, that king. Oh, that king, I is loved by the Lord. In fact, he was also very feared. Because the Lord was always with him. So in Second Samuel 11, we're just going to think... Okay, we're going to read from this one to 17. It says, in the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Reba, but David remained in Jerusalem. One evening... David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful. And David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her. She came to him and he slept with her. Now she was purifying herself from the monthly uncleanliness. Then she went back home. The woman conceived <laughs> David uh, and sent a word to David saying, I'm pregnant. I'm your baby mama now. So David sent this word to Joab. Send me Uriah, Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent him to David. When Uriah came to David, David asked him how Job was, how the soldiers were, and how the war was going. Then David said to Uriah, go down to your house and wash your feet. So Uriah left the palace with a, and a gift from the king and was sent after him. But Uriah slept at the entrance to the palace with all his master's servants and did not go down to, the, his, to his house. David was, David was told, Uriah did not go home. So he asked Uriah, haven't you just come from a military campaign? Why didn't you go home? I mean, like trying to fix things. Uriah said to David, the ark and Israel and Judah are staying in tents. And my commander Job and my Lord's men are camped in the open, open country. How can I go to my house to eat and drink and make love to my wife? As surely as you leave, I will not do such a thing. Then David said to him, Stay here one more day, and tomorrow I will send you back. So Uriah remained in Jerusalem that day and the next. At David's invitation, he ate and drank with him, and David made him drunk. But in the evening, Uriah went out to sleep on his mat among his master servants. He did not go home. In the morning, David wrote a letter to Job, Joab and said, sent it with Uriah. 
In it, he wrote, put Uriah out in front where the fight is fiercest. Then withdraw from him so he will be struck down and die. So while Joab had the city under siege, he put Uriah at a place where he knew the strongest defense was, uh, the strongest defenses were. When the men of the city came out and fought against Joab, some of the men in David's army fell. Moreover, Uriah the Hittite died. So if you listen carefully to the story, David, in the time of war, he decides to stay at home. He was the commander-in-chief. The commander-in-chief decided, I'm not going. I'm sleeping. I think I'm tired. I don't know what his reasons were, but he decided to stay at home in Jerusalem instead of being in the war field. And as he's at home, he's walking around, you know, just being nosy, I think. I don't know. Maybe it was hot that day. I don't know. He was walking around the rooftop. And then he saw a woman bathing. Now, the Bible is very clear, explicitly. She was cleansing herself from her periods. But David saw her beauty. And then he sent a guy and said, Go call me that chiquita. <laughs> the girl, or the, the woman, decided, I mean, she cannot say no, it's the king. You do not say no to the king. You can be killed. So she was just following orders. If the king sends for you, you go to the king. If the king wants to sleep with you, you sleep with the king. So then, he slept with this woman. She fell pregnant because... It's literally around that time that a woman falls pregnant like he was, I don't know, he was just very spot on. And then the, the, the lady fell pregnant and sent a message to David. So when David heard this, instead of fixing it right, he decided, let me call the husband. Let him cover up for my mistake so that he sleeps with his wife and then thinks it's his child. But the husband didn't want to sleep with his wife. Because in, in, in Israel, if you're going to war, you cannot sleep with your wife. You cannot, like, there's no intimate relationship with you and your wife. It was a law that they put there. You do not engage in sexual activity when you go to war. Yes, to focus, basically. So then Uriah was like, but uh, this is not what we are taught in army school. I'm not going to do that. So then he, he, he decided to sleep and then uh, at the door and then the guy's like, I need to find another plan. I'm sure he was plotting. Hmm. <gasps> I'm going to kill him. Then he decided to put the guy at the front of the, 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 the battle. And that's where it is very fierce and people die. You go there at own risk. And he put him there so that he can get struck down and die. And that was accomplished. The guy died, and obviously later on he married uh, Bathsheba. And then there was this whole, you know, if you read Psalms, this, this time where he's morning, Lord, I've sinned against you and only you. And David was so sorry, and he, I mean, he was so remorseful, that, that whole story. In fact, I think there was, the child died. All right? There were consequences to this thing. But David, in his... In his uh, desire to rest or to be in Jerusalem. He violated many principles. I mean, people say actually that he committed like the biggest sin because he broke all the Ten Commandments at once. I mean, he did it. He dishonored God. Obviously, maybe I don't know if he worshipped other gods, but he dishonored God. He decided to cover somebody's wife. He stole somebody's wife. 
you know and then he he killed he lied yeah like the guy is guilty and that's why for him he knew that he had sinned against god and he humbled himself but it was only after some time when the prophet actually came and said david we know what you did because the lord reveals to his prophet so sometimes when you are doing funny things the lord will reveal to his prophets right i know sometimes people get called out in other churches they were like yeah there's a woman here you are sleeping with some you know <laughs> but there is a way to do it the lord will give you sometimes dreams <laughs> the lord will give you dreams the lord will warn if you are not listening then you will be exposed all right so in this in this uh in this story we want to highlight four walls of five walls that david uh broke or violated the first one is the wall of purpose second is the wall of god's presence the third one is the wall of strong accountable relationships the fourth one is the wall of devotion the fourth the fifth one is the wall of purity so now the wall of purpose let us read together in the spring at the time when kings go off to war david sent joab out with the king's men and the whole israelite army they destroyed the ammonites and besieged rabath but david remained in jerusalem so this wall of purpose is the wall that god has given each one of us we are obviously created to glorify god but each one of us is created in a very different way in which we glorify god and david purpose in that moment was to go to war yes david worshiped the lord david knew what he was supposed to do but in the moment where he was supposed to do what he was supposed to do he didn't do it instead of going to war he decided to remain in jerusalem now this has a lot of implications because first of all you are a king you are a commander you're supposed to be in battle what are you doing and it is the same for us first of all we need to find out what our personal purposes are and our purposes have stages where god reveals what we need to do in each in each season whatever season there is we need to obey what the lord is telling us and what we need to do in that season to fulfill the purpose that god has given us and in that season of spring david decided not to do what god told him to do and a lot of us we get in that point where we do not do what god is telling us to do and we violate the purpose and we uncover ourselves obedience is better than sacrifice obedience always choose obedience philippians 2:13 says that the the lord has given us a desire to obey him and the power to do his will we need to know what god is saying to us in this moment otherwise we will be left in confusion what is your season now okay what is your season are you single if you are single what does god require of you what is your purpose in your singlehood are you married what is god saying are you a worker are you a stay at home mom what is your purpose in this time so that you do not do what you're not supposed to do because the the enemy loves confusion and he is the author of confusion so you need to discover what your purpose is personal purpose and the second purpose you need to discover is what is the purpose of the the covering over you the church 
If the purpose of this church is to glorify God, make disciples, all the things, do what is required of you. You are not going to get begged, but you're going to lose out if you're not doing what you're called to do. Because sometimes you will know that, I like inner healing. Maybe it's, I don't know if I'm supposed to be here. Okay? I don't know. I like um, deliverance. I don't know if I'm supposed to be here. Find where God has called you. God has given you power, love, and a sound mind. You know what God can, uh, what God can tell you, and you can understand where he has called you. All right? So if you know your purpose, you are able to position yourself in such a way that you do not violate uh, the purpose or the, the wall of purpose that God has placed in your life. Each one of us should discover our purpose. All right? But David, because of where he was, so what, I don't know what was happening in his life. Like, I have no idea. I wish I did. I will ask him one day. But he decided to violate the world of purpose. And once you violate the world of purpose, the next uh, wall that you can violate is the wall of God's presence. Because when there is confusion, you don't even know how to approach God. You're so confused. Lord, I don't even know how to pray. I don't know. Like you're just confused. Like you don't know. But while you are uh, in this place, you begin to just back away from God. In 2 Samuel 11, verse 11 says, Uriah said to David, The ark and Israel and Judah are staying in tents, and my master Job and my Lord's uh, men are camped in the open field. With David, the ark of the covenant always went with him. I mean, he, he was so happy, so excited when the ark of the covenant came back to Israel. And he started dancing so undignified. He literally, his clothes fell off. He was naked and dancing. The wife was so offended. She started like telling him off. How can you do that? You're a, you're a king. How can you be dancing naked? And he said, I don't care. <laughs> I'm dancing for my God. He loved God's presence. This is David, the worshiper of worshipers in the Bible. Alright? This is David. The lover of God's presence. A man after God's own heart. In that moment he decided the ark must go and he's staying. And many times we get in those moments where we push out the presence of God in our lives. Whether it's business. Whether it is um, our purposes that are overtaking us. Whatever it is, we decide to push out the presence of God like David did. We ne neglect the fellowship with the Holy Spirit. We neglect praying and reading our Bibles. We neglect uh, seeking the Lord and desiring Him. And I understand because sometimes we do go through seasons where we are, you know, wandering and we don't like to spend time with the Lord. We have feelings that are, you know, separating us from God. But whatever is separating us, we need to find that out. Because there's a promise to us that says nothing will separate us from the love of God. No angels, no demons, no famine. Nothing will separate us from the love of God. Romans 8. But many times we separate ourselves from the love of God. And like Pastor Ephraim preached the other time, he said, you know, backsliding or going away doesn't start in, one, uh, in just one day. It's gradual moments of just neglecting and saying, I'm going to spend time with the Lord later. You come back home, you're tired. And then you decide, no, I, I don't know if I'm feeling this God thing. I'm trying to pray. I'm not getting anything. 
And then, you know, the Lord has not told us to seek him when we are feeling like it. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God. First. Whatever is going on, even in my life, when I'm not hearing what God is saying in the moment, what do I do? I say, Lord, I want to seek you. And it has helped me a great deal to maintain the fervor and the passion for God. I said, Lord, here I am. I just want to seek you because that's what you have told me to do. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything will be added unto you. Whether it's passion, whether it's love for God, whether it's grace to continue in the Lord. Seek first the kingdom of God. And we get it so wrong. We want to look for signs and wonders in order for us to get excited and be full of joy. We look for this miracle. We look for this promotion. We look for this breakthrough. And when we don't see it, we, we negate the seeking of God. Your duty, first and foremost, is to seek first the kingdom of God. It's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, body. It doesn't say to love the Lord your God when you have emotions for him. It doesn't. And that should be our position as children of God. To love the Lord. To seek him. Even when we cannot hear anything, even when our emotions are not there. To seek him. It is not that God is angry with you if you don't seek him. You miss out. It's for yourself. Oh, I even read my Bible. I don't know if Jesus is angry. The... No. He is not. But guess what? You're missing out on discovering who God is. You, dis- you miss out on knowing that he is God, the creator of heaven and earth. That he is your father. And that he is always with you and he's protecting you. He's the stronghold of your life. The shield of your life. And he is your rampart. He is your fortress. You get to miss out on that reality and that truth. And you will not be set free if you do not know that truth. Because truth sets us free and truth is only the word of God. And then when the devil comes, ah, don't touch me. The devil is like, you don't know your truth, I'm going to touch you. Alright? So let's not neglect, uh, neglect the presence of God. And once he neglected the presence of God, in fact, even before that, he, I think David had it all planned out, you know. I'm going to stay and I'm going to Rest a bit. The ark is gone. Um, but also I think the friends must go. Everybody that holds me accountable. Because David, the third slide. David sent Job out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. So in, in Jerusalem, the men who, uh, who were in, obviously in the city and in the nation would go to war. So if you are not with the people that have the same purpose as you... You will be left alone, exposed. All right? And the devil knows this. He does not like, I mean, he, doesn't, he likes isolated people. Like, he just loves it. I mean, I usually watch sometimes, uh, not usually sometimes, watch National Geography. Uh, that channel. And then there's this little, you know, springbok. <laughs> so rough by itself and it's just like you know you can see it's like mommy mommy and then mommy is running away i don't know why they are not responsible <laughs> and then there's a lion that comes out of nowhere it doesn't care it doesn't care whether it's a little one a big one if you are alone sidelined here it will devour you oh it's so sad to watch but it's like but that's the reality the lion wants to eat the devil wants to eat He's going to find you. And David, he found a way 
to send out his men because you know when 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 you don't have relationships you're not accountable when you don't have people speaking to your life you do not have people telling you the truth people rebuking you and i do understand some of us have fears maybe fears because we were hurt in relationships fear because we've encountered bad relationships but it is to your detriment if you do not repair or if you do not walk in in wholeness in relationships and then you find people saying no i don't know church people are too much suddenly church people are too much i don't know ah i don't want to hang out with christians christians are so hypocritical i mean are you not like one of them or what <laughs> you know and we start building these walls i mean in proverbs it says an of an offended brother is worse than a strong city like a city that's guarded you cannot enter it's fortified like it's too strong like offense we need to watch out for offense because it will destroy your relationships and it will destroy the wall that god has put there so then you break this wall of god that god has put there and you build a fake wall of self protection of perseverance of self perseverance of preserving preservation and then you build a wall of you know you just want to you 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 just want to be alone you're too afraid to be heard you build up all these walls nobody can get through to you and the enemy likes that because it's a lot of times offended people that have fallen out of fellowship with god fellowship you fall out of fellowship with people you fall out of fellowship with god it it's just like that cuz you cannot say i love god and hate people first john talks about it. how can you say you love god and hate your brother all right so the enemy knows how to to come and destroy these walls especially the wall of relationships and if we have fear and insecurities about relationships let's deal with them that's why we have a counseling department so that people can get healing and i know maybe we were betrayed before we shared our secrets and people heard of our our dirty stuff but so what are you more worried of of preserving your your image instead of being pure and 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 and, and holy and, and and open and vulnerable are you so proud that you you don't you don't want to be vulnerable before people because you care what people think about you the fear of men needs to die like in 2018 i'm afraid that people are going to judge me i'm like this be open be open and you send away the people that are supposed to be in your life and supposed to keep you accountable like David did. And at some point his relationships were broken because the 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 lady he slept with was one of his best friend's kids. So like he like he went all the way like he didn't care about the relationship. And he slept with one of the guys, you know that like Uriah was in his army. Like he didn't care who was getting hurt or not. He just went for it. But God has called us to be sensitive in relationships. All right? God has called us to be united. God has called us to walk together. If there's anything that we need to do in Colossians says, be united, be like-minded with like, you know, having the same mind like Christ. Let us forget those things that have held us back. Let us forget the offense. Let us forget the hurt. We hurt other people too. Like sometimes I feel like, okay, I'm offended now, but I think I offended somebody else before. So what is God going to do with that situation, you know? 
because we should never take it too serious. The enemy loves that and he will destroy us and keep us from what he has for us. The fourth one is the wall of devotion. So now that you have sent away the people that hold you accountable, you begin to lower your standard. So Uriah said to David, the ark and Israel and Judah are staying in tents. And my master Joab and my Lord's men are are camped in the open fields. How can I go to my house to eat and drink and lie with my wife? As surely as you live, I uh, I will not do such a thing. So basically, Uriah is a Hittite. He's a Hittite. He's not, he's not from Jerusalem. He's a guy who joined the army because he heard of David's fame. So David used to have that effect on people. Like he would draw other nations because he was so popular and he was so strong and he was winning victories. People wanted to be on the winning side. So as you join the army, I don't know if the soldiers here, you know, Baba Gustavo, he was, uh, <laughs> he was in the army. But there are certain rules and regulations you need to abide to in the army. And one of them was that when, when people are at war, before you go to war, you do not have sexual relations with your, with your wife. In fact, you do not stay at home. Everybody goes with. All right? But in that moment, David lowered his standard because he knew what he did. He told the guy, go sleep with your wife, lower your standard. The guy was like, how can you ask me to do that? But you told us that we can't sleep with our wives when there's war. I don't know what David was feeling. I was like, this guy was home. Let's kill him. You know? But he lowered his standard. So when we allow uh, sin in our lives, or we allow uh, disobedience in our lives, we begin to lower our standards. We begin to say, no, it's okay. We begin to compromise and we begin to lower our moral compass. It becomes corrupted. And when the generation that is after you comes, you begin to relax on the rules. No, it's okay. You can do that. It's fine. I think, no, I'll pray about it. In fact, you don't even want to speak truth. Because you have no power. You have no standing point to speak truth in this matter. I don't know. David could have said, you know, that you are disobeying me, what, but, but he knew was right. The standard that they've put there is right. But he, because of where he was, lowered the standard for other people. So, so many times when we allow the enemy in our lives, we allow the enemy in other people's lives. Then we tell them, no, it's okay. We don't even rebuke them if they're saying, doing something wrong. Because there is no standing ground for us. Then we allow the enemy in other people's lives. And we don't cover them. Because how can you cover if you're on the enemy's side? What do you cover? How do you cover them? And because of that, David fell out of fellowship um, with, the, with the standard that God, has put, uh, that God put there for him. Obviously, he finished strong. But at the end of the day, he violated the walls of devotion and the, the walls of moral uh, compass. And then he, be, he began to condone, I mean, he condoned such a terrible thing. And that's what we do. We, 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 we begin to allow it. No, it's okay. Just don't do too much. <laughs> and then you see the other person is on the other side because they maybe don't have the maturity that you have. All right? So we need to watch our lives. There are consequences to these things. Obviously, when David... After all these things, I mean, there was a death. The child died. It wasn't necessary. 
Um, and then his son fell in love with his sister. Like it was just strange things that was happening in his family. And then his son was so rebellious because of what he did. And also because David could not rebuke his son. So, so his son, I, I, I don't just remember his name. Let me just see. No, uh, the son Amnon. Amnon and Tamar. So he slept. So Amnon raped Tamar. And Absalom grew angry that David wasn't doing anything about it. How could he do something? Because he also did that to somebody else's daughter. He basically raped her. She wasn't giving consent just because he's a king. And because he couldn't speak into it, he allowed it. And he allowed the rebellion in the other son. The other son killed, oh, wanted to kill the other son. And then he was killed. I was like, drama. But he knew, David knew that he had sinned against God. He wasn't proud about it. And whenever pride enters, uh, enters us during our time of sin and we do not want to change, that's where we hand over ourselves to the devil. We need to be humble. We need to say, Lord, I do not have the power. Lord, restore me back. Lord, I don't know how to get up from this thing. Only your power alone can, can, can restore me. We need to cry out to the Lord. And I always wonder, as we are going into this holiday and we're really thinking about our lives and what we're going to do, I always wonder, if I do something that violates the purposes of God and the walls that God has put around me, what, what, what is the guarantee that I'll come back? If they, like tomorrow is not guaranteed also. The Bible says nothing will separate us from the love of Christ. That's true. The prodigal son knew that. He knew nothing could separate him. But he knew his father and he knew his way back home. But many of us, we don't know who our father is. We don't know our way back home. So then we let guilt, condemnation keeps us back. It keeps you back. No, the moment you want to go, Please, I just want to go back to God. I want to. Mm -mm. Your mind is stopping you. You can't. You want to be, you want to love God. You, you see those Christians, I want to also be with you. But my mind. And then you come to just, you come to church dead inside of you. You come with a desire to connect with God, but you can't. Shame, guilt, condemnation, all these things, it's stopping you because you don't know who you are. So before you, I'm not saying don't go do it, don't do it. I'm just saying if you think of doing it, you better know who you are. You better know who your father is. Otherwise, you'll be taken out. The enemy loves to take people out. He likes to rewrite your history. And, and, and also your future, obviously. But know that God has a plan and a purpose for you. For all of us. And he wants us to win more than we actually want to win. He wants us to make it. He wants us to finish strong and finish the race. But if we are not submitted to God, and if we are not resisting the devil, we will violate the world that God has put in us. So with that, I just want us to stand up. Go read your Bibles. <laughs> the fifth one was just the wall of purity, with, which is 
which is <laughs> which is uh, almost the same as uh, devotion. So you can just take a picture of it if you want. This morning, I want to encourage you and at the same time warn you. Paul did the same because he felt like he was a father talking to children. And yes, some of you are older than me, but I feel responsible. I cry for this church. I cry for your lives. Every Wednesday, I am praying that we stand that will give each other high fives on that day. And I pray that you will make it. I pray that the devil will have no hold over you. I pray that you will be so full of God even when next year that by the time when crossover service comes, you're just spilling over and this church will go to the next level. We cannot be going through this over and over again. Every year, it's the same story. We are dancing with the snakes and with the devil. We cannot. We must have a vision. And say, Lord, I'm going to reach it no matter what. I tell the devil, no matter what, no matter what, I will reach it. I will make right with who I need to make right with. I will do what I need to do to be in right standing with God. I don't care what you throw at me. So I want us to have the same tenacity, the same fearlessness so that we reach what God has called us to reach. So this morning I want us to cry out. If there are walls in our lives that have been broken and we, they have not been repaired and we have not seen the Lord doing a walk in them, I want you to just bring it before the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And the next thing that I felt God impressing on me is that if you've had rebellion in your life, you do not want to listen to people, you do not want to listen to God and the prompting of the Spirit, you need to repent right now. You will not go forward in the things of God if you have a rebellious heart. And the reason why you are at that same place that you are where you've been for three years is because you are not uh, yielding yourself to the Lord and you have a rebellious spirit. So I want us to ask for forgiveness right now. Rebellious is like the the scene of witchcraft. It will stop you from going further. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that there is forgiveness in your presence. Thank you that you have made provision for us, even us who are in you. And who disobey you while we're children, while we're children. We thank you for giving us Jesus. That he can forgive us from all our sins and all our unrighteousness. 
Lord, I thank you that you can just come and cover us once again, become our stronghold. Father, where some of us, our passions have grown cold, renew our passion for you. Because in you there is life and life in fullness, Lord God. There is protection, Lord. There is everything we need for life and godliness. Father, we thank you that we are whole because of you. Help us renew our minds. Help us to see where we are not moving forward in you and in your presence. Where there are certain hindrances that are entangling us, Lord. Instead of running to you, we just remain in our sin and in our lies and in our confusion. Father, I thank you that you have the spirit of breakthrough. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is breakthrough and freedom. So right now, Holy Spirit, we ask of you that you will release breakthrough for each one of us right now at our point of need. And every wall that has been broken, Lord, we thank you that you can gracefully put it back together. We thank you, Lord, that you are the restorer of walls. You are the repairer of walls that have been broken. You are the restorer of lives and relationships. You are the restorer of our relationship with you. So we trust you, Father. We will not doubt that you have forgiven us. And we will believe that you have forgiven us and that you have restored us back to yourself. So we thank you, God. We thank you. We thank you. Come on, let's just thank the Lord. Thank you. Thank you for your unending love. Thank you that your name is higher than any other name. Thank you that there is power and power and power in your name. Thank you, Father, Lord God, that nothing can get to us because of you. Thank you for everything that has been accomplished through Jesus Christ, the cross and the resurrection. Thank you that we are a new creation. Thank you, Father, Lord God, that we have new mindsets because of what you have done. Thank you that we are no longer our pasts. That even when the enemy comes and reminds us of our past, so that we will not open the door. Thank you that we are new and that we move from glory to glory. Thank you, Father, Lord, that you have made provision for us to win, to overcome, because we are more than overcomers. So, Lord, I thank you that your overcoming power will be with us even in this holiday. That we will yield ourselves completely to you. When we have time and when we, when we don't know what to do, that we will really burn with passion for you and we will desire you. We'll spend time with you. We will pray. We will pray in tongues. We will worship you. We will give you praise and glory and honor. So may you receive the glory of, your, of the suffering you, you had, Jesus. And Lord, we thank you for the joy that is set before us, even as we endure hardships and temptations and resist the devil. Thank you for the joy that is set before us. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need prayer, there will be some people here. So.